by downloading or listening to this podcast. You are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Moody's Talks Focus on Finance, where we'll be discussing the outlook for banks around the globe in these uniquely uncertain times as the coronavirus pandemic continues to evolve. host Carolyn Henson and I'm joined firstly here by Moody's Global MD for Banking in Asia, Stephen Long, who will provide us with the sort of big picture view of how we see things unfolding. And later I'll be joined by banking analysts Louise Lundberg in Stockholm and Eugene Tazimanov in Singapore, who will drill down into what's happening in particular regions and in particular countries. So first of all, welcome to you, Stephen. Thanks for joining. Karen, it's great to be here. So our discussion will cover the challenges facing banks in different parts of the world as some countries start to emerge from the pandemic while others are facing a dreaded third wave of virus. And here at Moody's, we've just published a series of updates to our banking system outlooks, giving our latest view on how things will pan out for banks over the next 12 to 18 months, quite a critical time for them. For most banking systems, the outlooks are now stable, which may be surprising for some of us. But Stephen, can you just first of all set out for the benefit of those listening exactly what a banking system outlook is and what it does? Right. So a banking system outlook is Moody's view about the overall direction of creditworthiness for banks in a given banking system. What's happening to the operating environment that they experience and what's happening to their key credit metrics like asset quality, capital, profitability. Because we're a rating agency, we express our views on credit via our ratings. And when a system outlook is negative, for example, it implies that on average, we'd expect there to be more downgrades in that system than upgrades of of ratings. That does not mean having a negative outlook that we would be downgrading all or even most of the banks in that system. In fact, over the last year, since we had a negative outlook on many systems as the coronavirus pandemic was breaking, in the end, the resilience of banks' creditworthiness, the strength of their balance sheets meant we didn't downgrade many banks at all. So overall, the the outlook really reflects the bias in our rating direction, I think is the best way to think about it. Okay, thank you. But with all that's going on, with the world still far from back to normal, why are most of these outlooks now stable? That's a very good question. And it's true that the economic recovery that we are seeing is, is going to be uneven. It's uneven in terms of its impact on particular sectors. It's uneven in terms of how, for example, different countries are at in terms of vaccine rollout and whether they are going back into lockdown, coming out of lockdown and so on. So the recovery is, is uneven. But I think we have enough visibility to say that we are seeing recovery and the operating conditions for banks is going to be either improving this year or, or not, certainly not getting worse. And with that visibility we have, we felt it was appropriate to signal to the market that we no longer see that negative bias, if you like, in many systems in terms of the direction of bank ratings. Right, I see. Our analysts are saying that problem loans, which have been remarkably stable so far, right, will rise considerably over the months ahead, pretty much across the board. I mean, we can have no idea quite how bad that could get, right? That doesn't seem to square 
with a stable outlook. You're right. It's true that problem loan recognition is a lagging indicator. And the reason for that is that we've seen a lot of policy measures that have supported economies and have supported the specific cash flows of borrowers. And, And banks have also been arranging loan moratoriums with many borrowers. So as those support measures start to taper, we will expect to see a migration of loans into more distressed categories like non-performing loans. But having said that, during 2020, in most banking systems, we saw banks do a lot of proactive provisioning, forward-looking provisioning. And we think that those provisions that they took last year will shield their profitability, their capital from a negative impact um, as as these loans start to migrate into uh, non-performing loans. In fact, um, not only will we see in most systems, I think, lower provisions, some banks are even signaling they expect to see some provision releases this year. Okay, I see. Well, thank you, Stephen, for your insights. And I'd now like to bring in banking analysts Louise Lumberg in Sweden and Eugene Tazimanov in Singapore to talk us through what's happening on the ground in some key countries around the globe. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. So we've just heard from Stephen that most of the banking system outlooks are now stable and why that is. But there are some large banking systems out there where the outlook remains negative. Germany's one, Japan is another. Uh, So what's going on there? Louise, can you help us with that one first? Of course. So uh, the banking system outlooks for both Germany and Japan were actually uh, negative already before the pandemic. Ah, right. So uh, Japanese banks, if I start with those, they face several structural challenges. They have an aging population and that results in weak economic activity and loan demand. In addition, the Bank of Japan's yield curve control means that the yield curve will actually basically be flat. And this is very challenging for banks as they tend to make a profit from lending long and financing this short. In addition, there is intense competition in the sector. German banks are actually in a very similar situation. They have an overbanked system, meaning that there are more banks than are probably necessary to kind of serve the country's households and corporates. Yeah. And they are also under important profitability pressure from the low interest rates and weak efficiency. Right. Okay. But I see that there are also negative outlooks on banks in some key emerging market countries, India, South Africa, and some Latin American countries there. Eugene, can you talk us through why that is? Yes, indeed, we have uh, negative banking system outlooks on India, South Africa, and Mexico. And one key reason is the so-called sovereign linkage. Yeah. In simple terms, what this means is that the outlooks on sovereign ratings in these countries are negative. Hence, if these get downgraded, this will have a knock-on effect on bank ratings in these countries. Now, there's a few uh, kind of impact channels for the banks. A lower sovereign ratings, first of all, means that there's a weaker capacity for the sovereign to support the banks. Hence, the support uplift in bank ratings might go down. In some other cases, bank ratings, even without support, are already at the sovereign level. Hence, again, if the sovereign rating gets downgraded, this will likely lead to bank downgrades just because uh, banks are very big investors in sovereign securities. We've got some other puzzling elements. In the US, for example, the overall outlook for the US banking sector is stable, but capital, which is obviously key for the bank's solvency, is negative. What's happening there? Louise, can you help us with that? 
So most banking sectors actually have higher capital today compared to before the pandemic. And this is because regulators have capped dividend payouts and or banks have been more cautious during these times as they have been particularly uncertain. When uncertainty reduces, we expect that several of these banking systems, including, for instance, the UK or Sweden, will revert to more normalized capital levels. However, in the US, we expect banks to release capital earlier and more aggressively than in the other systems. And that is why we have deteriorating capital for the US. So when you say release capital, you mean pay out dividends? Correct. I mean, it could also be done through share buybacks, Yeah. but releasing it back to, to the owners. Okay, fine. Thank you. So just to close then, both of you, I know that you're constantly looking and watching how things are developing for banks as the crisis evolves. What are the big uncertainties out there that could lead to further changes in these outlooks ahead? Eugene, we'll turn to you on that one. Yeah, indeed. One key risk for our stable outlooks is uh, potential under-provisioning of problem loans. While in most markets, we expect you know, a fairly mild increase in problem loans this year and existing provisions are already adequate, in case of a more significant increase in soured loans, for example, if government support measures are unwound in a more disorderly manner, this will require much higher provisions and this could drag down profitability and maybe bank capital as well. Another risk we're watching is the volatility in financial markets, particularly for emerging markets something currently experienced by Turkey and Russia. So if we see an increase in volatility and this volatility spreads to many other emerging markets, this could lead to weaker domestic currencies and higher yields. And this will be negative for banks. But when you say volatility, for example, in the, in the case of Turkey, what do you mean that Turkish banks will find it more expensive to borrow or how does it work in practice? Yeah, by volatility in financial markets, I mean the repricing of financial assets. Right. It obviously includes higher risk premia, so more expensive borrowings for the banks. Yeah. And also pressure on the domestic currency. So all of this combined, certainly not good news for the banks. So Eugene, I would like to add one more point, and that is the delayed recoveries. I mean, we currently see vaccines being rolled out, but there are also delays in several countries. At the same time, there are new variants of the virus coming up. It's actually uncertain if these vaccines are fully effective towards some of them. So if the economic recoveries are significantly delayed, I mean, this would be more challenging for banks. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much to Stephen, Louise and Eugene. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Please join us again for the next edition of Moody's Talks Focus on Finance. 